0: Dude, the Navy is, like, throwing tons of trash into the ocean. BT-dubs.
1: Oh, man.
0: Yeah, what we do is, like, we make a lot of trash. Yeah. In a single day. Like, on our ship, we had, like, 300, 400 people. Uh Uh-huh. On our aircraft carrier, it's, like, 1,000, 2,000 people. And so there's tons of trash. And every single day, basically, a lot of it gets just compacted into these, like, disks the size of, like, trash can lids. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. And then they just get thrown into the ocean.
2: Oh my <laughs> god, dude.
0: That makes me so fucking mad. And then at nighttime, we do things that are called night ops, where like, oh, there's a broken chair, and there's, there's no way to throw away a broken chair. And so it's like, uh, after a certain time, like 10pm, half the ship has gone to sleep. And so they're like, alright, night ops, get rid of this chair. And so you go to like the smoke deck, and you just throw the chair into the ocean.
3: Oh Oh man. This is where our tax dollars are (laughs) (laughs) doing. to the part-time podcast my name is chris and this week i'm joined by my full-time friends tim uh hoi hoi and addison addison we are coming at you fresh with episode 38 hot off the presses and into your uh receptacles that are on the side of your head which are called ears ear holes, um, yeah. ear holes. i was we trying call to think of a garbage can most awkward way to say that gart <laughs> what caves <laughs> what? I said garbage said, cans. Oh, I thought you said I thought you said garden caves. <laughs> like that's it's a euphemism I'm not familiar with.
0: That'd be a good like techno very synthy band name. Mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm. Hey, we're Garden, garden Caves.
2: caves. <laughs> uh
3: yeah. What so what what would the lead uh musician of a band like that look like i'm i'm imagining someone from i always get the name wrong but from that band like uh Di- diantwerp oh antwerp yeah. ant uh, antwood
0: yeah he'd be very tall yeah
3: ninja very skinny
0: very ninja-esque. very like wearing a tank top that like almost goes down to his knees yeah with mm-hmm. <laughs> that has like okay. the
1: uh, the rounded hemline yes mhm yeah and then and an uh Uzi. <laughs> like some sort of like, like uh Thailand yoga pant, like those like elephant pants. Yeah, and then like house slippers,
0: mm-hmm. a comical. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, comical they would be like uh,
1: SpongeBob Square Pants. Yes. Mm-hmm.
3: Oh yes. man. Okay, so I'm changing the subject, <laughs> uh, but because you the comical house slippers reminded me, we all watched Guns Akimbo.
1: Oh
0: yeah, we yeah. Talk about this. Uh, that was so good. <laughs> I liked it.
1: I yeah. thought it was. As good as I expected it to be Okay first of
0: all It was a lot like that stupid movie With that uh, Blonde girl um, I think it was called Nerve Where like there's some app That says like oh it's a truth or dare app And it's like if you do the dare You get some money And then she teams up with um, a DeFranco brother The younger Uh DeFranco
3: Frank DeFranco
0: Yeah (laughs) And then they, like, teach everybody a lesson by pretending to shoot each other. <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, social media and, like, groupthink is bad. And here's how you know, because we ended up shooting each other. Yeah. And now you're not anonymous
1: anymore. What?
2: <laughs>
3: yeah. Well, it's kind of like that, I suppose. Yeah. On a yeah. surface level. Um, but for those who don't know what this is, it is currently free to stream if, you're, if you have Amazon Prime Video. Uh, it's starring Harry Potter, uh, <laughs> playing Daniel Radcliffe, who's playing a different character in this movie. Um, I don't even know what his name is. I don't even know if they said his name.
2: I don't know.
3: But yeah, it yeah, doesn't now. matter. The, the premise of the movie is he works for a software company and he's like, basically like a dead end job in his life. And, uh, he goes onto the internet to troll people, to feel things. Yeah, and he trolls the wrong person, and they come to his house and kick his door in and drill guns to his hands, <laughs> and tells him tells him that uh, if uh, he doesn't fight for them, then he's gonna die. And so that's basically the whole movie. It's like, uh, but it, it kind of has like a Scott Pilgrim vibe to it. I feel like mm-hmm. like yeah. it's like got a really like arcadey like game esque style. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's. It's not, I wouldn't say it's, like, a good movie, but, like, it's a good, oh, no. bad movie. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, so, here's my number one problem okay. with the movie. All right. Okay? So, when they first introduce Nyx, right? That's her the, name?
0: Yeah, the person he has to kill.
1: Yeah. She goes on and she murders 25 people.
2: Oh, with, with right? single
1: Single shots. Yeah. Like a whole room. Like John Wick. Full of people. Yeah, like... John Wick, it's all a Rambo, yeah. like, doing flips and stuff and murders all these, like, hit it, hit head it. headshots. Yeah. Okay. Then she walks into Daniel Radcliffe's Harry Potter's apartment. Yeah. And misses every single fucking <laughs> shot. Yeah. For yeah. two hours. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime she tries
3: to shoot at him, it's an instant miss. But anyone else she shoots at, it's like one shot kill. Yeah.
1: yeah. And then he goes on to miss eight or ten shots, wildly missing these close-up shots. mm. And then they do the raid, and
0: suddenly forty-seven perfect (laughs) headshots. Yeah, Uh (laughs) what the fuck, man!
3: (laughs) They needed to get that movie in it under an hour and a half, Tim. That's the only way they could do it. Yeah.
0: (laughs) The problem I had was this guy is like. A, a wimp or whatever he's like an internet basement dwelling troll mm-hmm. and for some reason he's able to take the massive, most massive beatings ever <laughs> right. and yeah. just like keeps on getting up like he, he has a head on collision car crash goes through the windshield and he's like oh, <laughs> I'm okay like, yeah. Yeah. I better run now or th- there's a part where his guns run out of ammo uh-huh. I I don't understand how they're not able to reload his, his weapons
1: or how they said he has 50 shots in each hand. Yeah. Where are the magazines at for that 50 shots? Because they're only the length of his hand, which would be
3: at most 13 yeah. 9 millimeter rounds. Yeah. They hooked it up. It's in his blood. They hooked it up into his blood. And they put all the bullets in there. Um, yes. I, see, I, I agree with all of that. Uh I th- I think the thing that still turns this movie around for me is like an enjoyable like B-list action movie is like Daniel Radcliffe commits really hard to this role like you can tell he's like trying really hard to make this movie work and that works for me because he does such a good job. Uh he does have that wonky American accent where you can kind of hear that he's not a native English speaker or like American English speaker. Yeah, he's uh, appropriating our then. culture. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, you also do get to see that Danny Radcliffe dick uh, for a, a split second, they, but they, uh, they don't. No, it's not his real dick; it's a
0: prosthetic. Yeah, it's. <laughs> but think, still, you think it's no, a the prosthetic do should, dick? They do take some artistic shots where he's running and it's in his in his boxers and it's just his crotch like
3: running. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, actually, I think the only like the real reason to watch this movie is when he meets uh the homeless guy. Yeah, yeah. the homeless the- guy is the <laughs> best. <laughs> best character. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I love how he's yeah. like watching that like old timey TV as, as <laughs> in like- the whole time as if it's like connected to the internet. Yeah, and then yeah. they finally do a shot of the screen, and there's nothing. There's going just a blank on. screen. <laughs> it's like I wish yeah. the volume was louder.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah so <laughs> if you all need a movie to watch while we're all kind of stuck at home for the for this time like and you've watched everything else give this a watch because like it's like i said like it's not a great movie but it's a fun movie mm-hmm. um, Yeah, it, it was worth a
1: watch yeah
0: and if you Ooh. like
3: if you like harry potter mixed with john wick mixed with scott pilgrim first the world like you're gonna you're gonna enjoy this one yeah so the movie guns akimbo
0: mm-hmm. check it out mm-hmm Definitely worth a Amazon watch. Amazon Prime. <laughs> the whole hot dog scene, too, was so <laughs> funny. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to spoil it for you guys. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But yeah. As my other problem with this movie, like all of these movies, Daniel Radcliffe, especially in this movie, is not a great looking person. Uh-huh. You know, like he's rather short. Yeah. He had terrible facial hair, was like a coder who didn't care. Mm-hmm. His girlfriend... Super hot. It's like oh, an yeah, 11. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, why... It doesn't make any sense. It's not realistic, okay? Yeah. Just cast yeah. somebody that would look like somebody he would date and yeah. still fawn over the way he fawns over that okay. 11. Who, who could you cast in that role? Um,
0: you could cast Meryl Streep. <laughs> She's like 80. Strep. Meryl Strep? Streep? I don't think that's right. Um, what's the girl from uh, <laughs>
1: Juno? Oh, uh, Ellen yeah. Page. Ellen Page. Ellen Page. You could. He yeah. could have cast Ellen Page. Yeah, Ellen Page. She's like got like a, a five head. Yeah, but is definitely a, out of this guy's league. Yeah, <laughs> that
2: makes sense. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, you heard it here first. Uh, uh Ellen Page is the only actress within Danny Radcliffe's league, but she's also an in real life lesbian. So she's not even in his league. Yeah. Perfect. So yeah, thanks, Tim.
2: <clears throat> <laughs> That's what I'll I'm tell, here I'll,
3: for. I'll have Daniel I'll direct Daniel all of Daniel's like uh fan mail to you, I guess, where you can answer it and say, uh his, your love for him is undeserving. Uh <laughs> <he doesn't. laughs> He doesn't look that great. Uh he couldn't even get Ellen Page.
2: Yeah, perfect. <laughs> okay,
3: I will write great. every one of those letters gladly. Yeah. Uh that's not a fandom I wish to provoke, but you know, you you go ahead and go do that. <laughs> uh all right. Well uh what 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 do we got going on this week?
0: Uh, so I've got I got someone who needs a little help. Ooh, okay. Let's see if we can offer some help. Okay. Help. I'm a dom, and my subs have unionized. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no.
1: <laughs> That's like the worst-case scenario, man.
0: <laughs> I've been in a committed poly- polyamorous, do- dominant-submissive relationship for the past three months. I'm the dom, and I have five subs, three men and two women. It's been going great and all consensual and everyone is having a good time. We do live together, Oh, we do not live together, but we hang out at my apartment almost every day. It's not purely sexual relationship either. We all share an emotional connection, and it's like any other relationship but poly and BDSM. Of course, <laughs> as the dom, there are some rules. They need to call me master. No kissing anyone except for me. If I tell someone to do something, they do it. The punishments depend on the person. Some of my subs get whipped, some publicly humili- humiliated. It all depends on what I agree on with each sub. We have safe words, too, and, if, and we stop the roleplay whenever anyone says, says one of the safety words. It seems weird to Vanillas. That's you guys. <laughs>
2: okay. <laughs> wait, <laughs> hurts, wait, I'm, okay. I'm Vanilla? I'm okay. <laughs>
0: but this is what we enjoy, and we like to be open about it. Everything has been great. At least I thought. I woke up a couple days ago and told one of my subs to get me a cup of coffee. He didn't do it. Oh, no. I told him that I was going to punish him. Public humiliation, which can be easily resisted. And he said he wouldn't do it. Now, if one of my subs acts like this, I break it off with him. So I I, I threatened him that I would kick him out of the relationship. The other subs chimed in and said that if I kick him out, they all leave. That's right. My submissives have unionized. So, so they're not
1: submissive <sighs> anymore. <laughs> How okay? In my experience, I have some poly friends. Okay, okay. And in my experience, there's usually like a base couple
0: uh-huh. that is they're like the power couple.
1: They've been around for a while. Okay, right. And then people will be added, mm-hmm. either other couples or individuals or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so you you have like sometimes there's a rotation of these other people mm. but there's generally a group that's been together for longer. Okay. So what I want to know is how on earth does one person convince five other people to be in a relationship <laughs> with them
3: at the same time? I don't know. And I don't know if this is male or female either. You go around and you publicly publicly humiliate people and then you find the person who looks like they're getting off on it and that's <laughs> the one you take home. <laughs> but you like
1: that's got to be a busy day. Oh, I know. To find five <laughs> other people, I mean, even I mean if it helps die. they're all
0: wearing leather. <laughs> <laughs> even if you had five dogs, you had to take care of.
1: Like, ugh, that's uh, that's a busy day. Yeah, you wouldn't get all five of those dogs in one day either. you yeah. would like slowly add dogs in. Yeah, and then you're expected to have sex with these dogs or something. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa,
0: uh, um,
1: that's an entirely different fetish. <laughs> I I just I'm having a hard time with that. Maybe it's because I find it so hard to find love. Right. That I just don't
3: understand how somebody could find five people to love them. <laughs> and then do everything they say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I don't get this at all. So I don't have a whole lot of experience with the the whole dom thing or whatever but uh my limited understanding is these submissives get off on this person being domineering over them right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's their whole get so, down yeah so if they choose to not be dominated and unionized then what's the point I mean right. did they just oh. did they go online and find wiki feet and they're like actually I'm into this now <laughs> <laughs> yeah they switched up the kink wow <laughs> Well, she goes on to
0: say they handed me a sheet of paper with a list of demands. The demands included. I'm not sharing them all for their privacy. Allow kissing between subs and demands are only to be followed after 8 p.m. I tried to negotiate, but they were firm in their demands. I couldn't punish them. My hands are tied and not in the good way. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I have
0: no power anymore. The power balance was shifted when they unionized and I don't know what to do. The relationship isn't as satisfying anymore and I don't know if it ever will be. What should I do? Do I let them get a new dom and leave them or do
1: I give in to their demands and relinquish some of my power? So, are these five subs the base couple that found a new dom? Ooh. That might be it. Maybe that's what it is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. As they found somebody who might be more powerful and so they're testing their dom to be uh-huh. like are you gonna are you gonna spank me if I act up?
3: <laughs> right, because I know this one will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. So I have two p- potential solutions to this. Okay, one is the Dom needs to find another Dom and share Ooh. split the Dom powers between them, and they can just crack some skulls together. Yeah, codominance. Yeah, <laughs> they they need to bring in. Yeah, they need to bring in. Um, what what do they call them? Like the union buster crew. You know. <laughs> yeah, scrubs. Yeah, <laughs> are they called uh, scabs? Scabs, uh, scabs, scabs. Yeah, scabs. yeah, because <laughs> yeah, yeah, it serves it serves two purposes, right? It like they they'll like get off on being extra domineered, and then also. Mm. uh you know he'll get the power back unless that dom chooses not to give the power back. Mm. Oh no! Well, it's a
1: classic uh, Dwight and Michael situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you give the power over, and then like he says that he'll give the power back right. when the task is done. Mm-mm. But he, he will. You never know.
3: You never know. You never know. Well, that know. brings me to my second solution: is you write each of them a handwritten letter, and then you slide it under their door at night. That says that you prayed to God and told him to steal twenty-seven years of your
2: life and give it to you. <laughs> you don't listen to me. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think I think she needs to come back with this with full force. Because uh-huh. she needs to weak she needs to weed out the stronger ones. Mm-hmm. It's like any of those game shows you watch on MTV. Like the strategy is always to get rid of the strong ones so that you're only competing against your weak ones.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Or let me just come in Ooh. with some like legitimate advice. <laughs> okay, um, good because this is starting to get uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. um, if anybody's ever in a situation where they're no longer happy in the relationship, oh. just leave. Oh, just, that, that just makes jump ship.
0: That makes <laughs> a lot more sense. Yeah,
1: just yeah. go find what it is that you're looking for because it's out there. Yeah, there's seven and a half billion people uh-huh. on the earth. Somebody will be into you and what you're into, or maybe not.
0: But maybe that's what yeah. they're, they're looking for is they're, they're little worms. Right. And they're starting to wiggle and they need someone to step on them.
1: Maybe. <laughs> uh, I guess maybe you could test that theory slightly, <laughs> uh, but it sounds like maybe they already have attempted that. Okay. Uh, with the, like, you know, trying to negotiate. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, they're just being little toddlers or so they're like, I'm not going to bed. Yeah. I'm going to kiss whoever I want. And you got to step on those little
3: worms. <laughs> uh, having experience raising toddlers at the moment, I will tell you, uh, you are powerless in this situation. <laughs> there is nothing you can do. <laughs> so.
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, they, they are inviting them into their space. Mm-hmm. So you could just not in- invite them anymore. Yeah. You're just gone. Go find some other dom, some other subs. You got to find more worms to step on, though. Yeah. Maybe that'll be invigorating for them to go out and like test some new waters and jump in some puddles,
0: find some worms, step on them,
1: find it,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: get it. Yeah. Do it. Find that worm that wants to be stepped on. Yeah. (laughs) Bop it. <laughs> twist it, twist it, pull it, <laughs> pass.
3: Um, yeah, okay. This is, i actually am uncomfortable now. <laughs>
1: uh, well, on the uh, topic of discovery and finding new love. Oh, okay. No, okay. <laughs> um, I've got a story about some discovery. Okay. Do you guys know anything about um, Albert Hoffman? Uh, he was nope. related to
0: Derek Hoffman, who uh, what did Derek Hoffman do?
1: <laughs> he was like a skateboarder, right? No, you're you're totally wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Dr. Albert Hoffman was the researcher and doctor mm. who discovered and synthesized. Acid, Ooh. for the first time, lysergic acid. Yeah, the good old uh, LSD.
0: Yeah, Lucy in the sky with diamonds. Right, love, sex, dreams.
1: Yeah,
3: malt. No, that's a oh, <laughs> I just got man, Okay, I feel like a huge dummy, but I just, I just now understood that Lucy in the sky with diamonds is for LSD.
2: Wow. <laughs> 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 it's so sweet. It's so innocent. Oh, Our man. little Chris. <laughs> good good old uh window pane. Thirty yeah thirty-three he,
3: years old. I just figured that out. <laughs> <laughs> um
1: yeah, maybe we Chris after the podcast maybe we'll talk with you about a few other things you probably don't know. <laughs> okay, there's a lot of them. <laughs> um all right, so in nineteen forty three, wow. uh Dr. Albert Hoffman was working for the Sandoz company, which mm-hmm. is like a They make sandals, right? No, they make, um, (laughs) like, medicines. Oh, okay. And so this is, like, you know, coming to the end of World War II. Yeah. And they were... 45
0: was the end, right?
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So they're, like, looking for all these, you know, different things. I mean, they're just trying to find um, pain relievers and different things. Oh, yeah. uh, Like, crazy. There's a lot of, like, uh, chemistry-based... I
0: don't want to say what we call them, not explorations, but uh, discoveries, like the World War II era up into the 60s. There's lots of chemistry discoveries. Right.
1: Yeah. They were like, it was this booming time for chemists. Mm -hmm. So in 1943, he basically had the job to um, like process down and like sequence this chemical. From a particular berry that had been used like for for thousands of years Mm -hmm. as medicine, Mm -hmm. Um, I don't remember exact plant it was, but Mm. whatever it was, it was like this plant that had always been used for medicine, and he was trying to figure out exactly what the medical purposes for it were. Mm -hmm. So he's doing all these tests, and on his twenty third or twenty fifth attempt, he produces the compound. Uh, which is, Addison, say it for us? Lysergic acid? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And lysergic acid 25. Yes, LSD 25. Yep. And so it's a solid compound. He really likes the way that, like, the chemical looks. Mm -hmm. Um, So they decide to move forward with testing on it. And so they go straight to, like, rats and mice is what they tested Mm -hmm. on first. Yeah. And... It didn't really do anything for them other than make them, like, really uneasy. Mm. And so they were like, well, it's nothing, and just set it aside. Right. For, like, seven years, Oh man. they didn't go back to it. And then he is still working for the same company, still processing through this genome, and he decides, you know what, I've hit all these dead ends, but I really liked what this chemical looked like Mm -hmm. so i'm going to go back and i'm going to see if there's other purposes for it Mm. so apparently it's like really common at the time for them to like test on themselves test things on themselves oh yeah super
0: common like i'm (laughs) reading a book about pharmaceuticals right now and Mm -hmm. it's amazing how many people tested things on themselves right like everybody did it
1: yeah they're just like Here's this thing.
0: Yeah, once they once they confirmed it didn't kill kill the rats, they're like,
1: uh, right. eh, it's probably fine for me then. Right. Let's see what's going on <laughs> with it. Yeah. Naturally. Right. So in medicine so he he took this compound and it was a liquid, and he decided that he was gonna mix it in some water to mm-hmm. dilute it. Yeah. And take what he thought was a good amount. So for those of you who don't know much about LSD, super potent. It's the most potent liquid chemical so ever. Yeah, and you take micrograms. Yes, of this. So, so what are you, you take like decided... a teaspoon. <laughs> 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 that, that's still a lot. Yeah, a teaspoon <laughs> is a lot of micrograms.
0: Like, think of it like um, fentanyl. Fentanyl, right. you have micrograms of fentanyl. Exactly, because it's so potent.
1: Right, It's just like that. Yeah. So for somebody taking acid, they might take like a hundred UIs. M- yeah, micrograms. yeah, which would be essentially like if you took a visine bottle, flipped it over and dropped one drop of visine, that's about the amount of chemical that you would want to use. Yeah.: So at the time. Nobody was doing anything in micrograms. Mm -hmm. They were doing everything in milligrams. Yeah. So he took 200 milligrams. Oh, my God. Mixed it into water as he thought, oh, this is a light dose of this, you know, type of chemical. Yeah. It didn't do anything for the rats when we were testing it with them. So let me just try this. So mixes it in, drinks it up, and waits. So this, my friends, is the first time in history that acid was ever taken without any preconceived notion of what might happen. What happened? So after 45 minutes, (laughs) he starts (laughs) freaking out. Oh, yeah. So he's still at work Uh and in the lab. And he's like, I got to get out of here because... (laughs) Everything is really weird. He started feeling sick and nauseous. And like, it was just like he couldn't process what was going on. So he gets on his bicycle. Oh my God. Oh. And rides his bicycle home. Oh. So still to this day, April 25th around the world is known as Bicycle Day. Oh, wow. For the day that Albert Hoffman rode his bicycle on acid to his home. Yeah. Um. So he gets home. And as soon as he gets home, he's like, the plants are breathing and moving. The carpet's moving. My couch is like trying to eat me. <laughs> uh, like you have to like. At this there's, time, there's no experience. There's, there's people were like smoking bad marijuana. Yeah. <laughs> at This time, <laughs> like and like doing cocaine. Oh, Those man. were like the drugs of the time. and amphetamines. Yeah. Like just uppers. Yeah. That was so, all there was.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: This this was an attempt to make like a better version of a painkiller, right? essentially yeah it yeah. was like
1: trying to find a legitimate medicinal purpose for this this herb that had grown forever mm-hmm. that people had used as like witchcraft for like yeah. killing people <laughs> mm-hmm. i guess so, i'm
3: just trying to figure out like what he what he might have thought was gonna happen for taking this because i know nothing happened to the rats but like like the there's no way to know what a trip is gonna feel like, but at the same time, like you'd have to like have some thought about what is yeah. gonna happen to you going into this right, yeah, so
0: uh, like what Tim mentioned okay. earlier is he really liked the shape of the chemical. Mm-hmm. And so there's the chemical in your one of the chemicals in your brain that's abundant is serotonin. Right, but
1: Mm -hmm. they didn't know about serotonin at this time. Oh man!
0: But that's (laughs) the thing with LSD is it's a similar shape to serotonin. Right, and so it acts like a key that can open up serotonin locks. Mm -hmm. It's like a master key almost. It can open up a lot of. It fits into a lot of different of these key slots in your brain, Mm -hmm. and so that's how it kind of affects you on a physical level. Is it is able to open up these gateways in your brain. Right. Because it's a similar shaped key.
1: Yeah. But Chris, like, he had no preconceived there, notion. There is no preconceived notion. Because he, yeah, nobody had taken this. He just invented it. Yeah. Had no idea. Like, he thought he was making better aspirin, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> and, and so he he didn't have an idea of what was going to happen. That's why he was just in his lab. That's why he took 200 milligrams. Yeah. It was just, like, whatever happens, like, maybe I'll, like, feel some inflammation reduction yeah. or something.
0: That's what these guys did is, yeah. like, uh, in my book, the guy who invented benzos, mm-hmm. like, tested it on rats, and he was like, oh, the rats kind of just chilled out, but they were still active. And so he's like, well, it doesn't kill them, so I'll just take them. And he was like, oh, man, I feel, I feel really relaxed. Right. So he just, like, the first guy who ever invented benzos just took a bunch of them. <laughs> And, like, he was like, oh, man, this is great. I don't feel anxious about anything.
1: Right. So... Albert Hoffman trips for the first time. Mm-hmm. First human to trip off of LSD. Yeah. And after, like, six hours, mm-hmm. he's still tripping super hard. Yeah. Because he took so much. It took a ton. And basically, like, in my experience, what happens with acid, like... The more you take, to a certain extent, doesn't, like, intensify the trip. It just lengthens it. Lengthens the, the
0: intense part of it.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah. So, you have, like, this peak that's, like, the, holy shit, I'm losing my mind. Yeah. That lasts maybe an hour mm-hmm. if you take a normal amount. Yeah. The more you take that... Hour long goes to
0: five, six, eight hours. Right. Yeah. So,
1: he's six hours deep into oh, this trip. man. Peaking super hard. Mm-hmm. So he calls his research assistants and he's like, I've lost my fucking mind. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm never coming back from this and has the quintessential like ego death. Yeah. The first one where he's just like, I'm, I'm dead. Yeah. Albert
0: Hoffman is gone. I'm never coming back from this.
1: Right. And, uh, I need medical attention immediately. I need to go to the crazy house. Yeah. And with psychedelics, there's
0: a time dilation. So like... 30 minutes can feel like 3 hours
1: or 4 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea. Yeah. Um so the doctor comes and you know checks him out and pulse perfect. Yeah. Blood pressure perfect. Respiratory perfect. The only side effect that visually people can see other than him like blah, like going yeah. crazy is his pupils are fucking huge. Yeah. So <laughs> he The doctor's like, you're not going to die. Yeah. Just ride this out, I guess. Yeah. And so he does. He rides it out for another.
3: On his bicycle. Yeah. (laughs) Six
1: or 10 or 20 hours, whatever it is. And then wakes up, meticulously takes all these notes about it, and then puts it on a back burner because it's like. Maybe this will help <laughs> people in psychology mm-hmm. because from this experience he feels like his life changed that day. Oh, absolutely. Because he had, like I said, the ego death mm-hmm. where Albert Hoffman doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Now it's, you know, I'm part of this greater world. I'm enlightened. My name is bliss and, and Yeah. So it changed his entire career to that point of how he went about looking for things was trying to like solve greater problems. But he says that he didn't do it ever again. Mm-hmm. Um, and this dude, this was in 1943. Dang. This dude lived to be 102 years old. Whoa. He just died in like 2010. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. So, um, yeah, I mean, and on that note, I guess... Recently, uh, there are currently studies going on. Mm -hmm. I think we've talked about it before with the psilocybin. Yeah. But they're doing the same thing. There's like at least six research studies going on right now testing the use of microdosing LSD with PTSD and depression.
2: Wow.
1: Yeah. But I just thought that's crazy. The first time somebody ever tripped (laughs) straight into a bad trip. Oh, Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah, because like he, he had to synthesize the chemical, but the plant that they took it from, like, already had properties that would like make you trip, right? But n- maybe not as bad. Yeah, not, not bad.
1: necessarily make you trip, but they would like induce like a more open state. Yeah, like, um, it, it didn't ever have anything to this potency right. by any means. Yeah. It was, it was more of just like reducing of inflammation and then like a slightly altered mood
3: yeah got it so yeah. more than any essential oil has ever done for anybody <laughs> <laughs> An affinity times more
1: <laughs> yeah I don't know man I've got my lavender going right now and I tell you I sleep like a baby <laughs>
3: yeah great oh, you should man. uh oh wait hold on a second Tim Tim have you been in an essential oil shill this whole time? Uh, <laughs>
1: could you just read that message I just sent you out loud, please? Uh, it says, I'll kill you. <laughs> uh. No, no, no. The one I just sent.
3: Oh, it says, Hey, boss babe. Uh, do you have, have you ever wanted to have more freedom than you ever had in your whole life? <laughs> That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You almost got me.
1: But yeah, if you guys were curious about that, you can read about, um, there's like a lot of misinformation out there about it. Um, he like people are like, oh, he like got minor contact through crystals on his skin and that's how he tripped. Mm. all it's all horse shit the dude talks about it like maybe three times ever yeah and one time was at this conference in like 2002 in stockholm mm. um where he tells his story and this was the story he told
2: oh yeah, yeah oh.
0: no yeah taking uh oral doses of whatever these scientists were working on was actually very common
1: yeah yeah wild stuff and i guess i'm yeah, looking that's... forward to hearing more about uh that pharmaceutical book when you finish it up. Oh, yeah.
0: I've, I've got a couple more hours to go, so maybe next week we'll Ooh. we'll have a little something for you. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. What else cool. you got for us this week? So, we all read a book together as part of our book club. Ooh. Ooh, yeah. Wait, did
1: we ever talk about the book club?
0: Uh, not we for the listeners. No, okay. We, we, we need to like, tell the listeners what we're going to read next. Hey,
1: boss babes, <laughs> do you want to read yeah. more? <laughs> <laughs>
0: so we all read a book called Hate Ink. Uh, ink as in incorporated, not like ink what you write with.
3: Or tattoos. Yeah. hate yeah. ink. Yeah, <laughs> it's the most hateful ink you could ever write a note with. And this
0: book is actually like a uh part 2 to uh Noam Chomsky's um Manufactured Consent. Yep. Um and that book is not that interesting if you are uh over the under the age of 50 yeah. because <laughs> that book had to do a lot with like
1: Reagan era stuff. Right. But it also was like Very much a research study. Yeah, there is like a ton of economics in that book that's just like (laughs) over my head. Yeah, but this one is.
0: uh, It was nice because it started almost almost immediately in like 2016. I would say Mm -hmm. with the Trump election, and I would say the the overall gist of the of the book is the media, the mainstream media during the Reagan era and all this stuff. They're Mission was to get Americans angry about Russia. Right. And then after the Cold War, Russia really wasn't something to get angry about anymore. And so they couldn't really sell the clicks, the likes, the comments, the subscribes, the hit that like button, the, the hit the bell because they're, they're keeping us down. It was all the plan changed to get Americans to hate other Americans. It right. was right versus left, red versus blue, dog versus cat. Man versus woman. Aliens versus humans. Americans versus Mexicans. (laughs) Three more. Uh, Americans versus... Christians versus Muslims. Two more. Uh, Water versus Earth. Uh, One more. Hip-hop versus country. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it, it... I mean, just saying that, like, it made it very clear to me that, like, that's exactly what the news is now. Right is you either have MSNBC or CNN versus Fox News. Right.
1: I think the mm-hmm. other thing that I realized, and they point out in this book, mm-hmm. is the news, like you said, is meant to divide people. Yes, But it's also not meant to inform you on fucking anything. Nothing at all. It is yeah. paid programming Yes, that's meant to sell you shit. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. And I was like, for me, I was like, Oh, fuck. Like yeah. <laughs> That had never clicked for me. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. It's, it's all... Uh, a point you tried to make that stuck out to me was it, none of it is in, is inherently factually incorrect. Like, for the most yeah. part, even, even outlets like Fox News, like, they do a decent job at telling you something that can be construed mostly factually correct. Right? right? But... They, like, do it in a way that manipulates you to feel a certain way. Right.
1: And I think gone are the days of trying to inform people as well, where it's like, this is a thing that happened. Because I feel like for maybe our parents and our grandparents' generations, Mm -hmm. like, the news was something that was like, this was, you know, you couldn't get this information anywhere else. Yeah. And it was, here's this investigation that's been done, and we're informing you about it. Mm-hmm. And then there was, like, this shift in the 80s mm-hmm. where it was like, now we're just trying to make you scared and hate things. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: it's, and it's part of it, the problem is the 24-hour news cycle. Right. Is you constantly yes. need their attention. You constantly need to get someone angry and upset mm-hmm. in order to keep them engaged. Right. Because, up, I mean... You look at a puppy on on Facebook or whatever, and you look at it for two seconds and you scroll to the next thing right, but then you see someone posting about uh how the Trump is taking hydrochloroquine and the jews are trying to keep it silent and all these doctors are coming on to like the washington steps to tell you that you don't need to wear a mask and you're like ah!
1: right it's and a- then you're going to spend three hours reading other articles about the opposite <laughs> or more contor- you know going with it and then six hours reading comments of people talking yeah. about that
0: yeah yeah, and so it, it, everybody, like everybody, knows that anger is the greatest motivator. Right. If you can get enough people angry about something, you can make a change. I mean, mm-hmm. you see the BLM movement of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, and so on and so on, and people are angry. And so when you get enough people angry, you can you can affect change. Right. You can cause people to do to take action.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's basically what the news cycle what these mainstream media are doing is they're trying to get you angry about something.
2: Right. And it might be
0: true. Like, um, I think the example they gave about Fox news is they, they'll tell the truth, but they'll tell the truth about a certain type of thing, like this immigrant committed murder. Mm -hmm. And so they're angry and they're like, well, why is this immigrant here? This illegal immigrant is here because they shouldn't be here in the first place and yada, yada, yada. And that only justifies my belief that illegal immigrants need to be sent back to, to Mexico.
1: Right. They also mm-hmm. did a really good job of talking about like how news programming changed from like this you know here's a breaking news story oh, the- to you know we're gonna like manufacture these wrestling matches yes. basically, and they, it's they like
0: copied e s p n on like everything
1: yeah e s p n yeah. and then the w w e yes it's like that's all they're trying to do is have these you know artificial you know conflicts Mm -hmm. that they are going to put up and have these you know two people fighting and it's you've got a domina sub basically (laughs) in the the news and they're gonna have these quote unquote you know debates Mm -hmm. about a certain topic where at the end of the debate depending on what station you're watching they're gonna come to the you know the conclusion is always gonna be we were right yeah,
3: on our side. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like the, the chapter about the WWE and it's how it relates to the news and the chapter about sports and how the live news takes a lot of cues from that. I feel like personally, that's where the most, the most valuable insights come from those chapters. Mm-hmm. My, my gripe with the rest of the book is I feel like it's largely repetitive uh, yeah, making the true. same points over and over and over again until it gets to those chapters like he, he the, it it took me a while to get past maybe the first 3 we I listened to an audible like maybe the first 3 or so hours of it cuz I felt like every new chapter he moved on to I'm like okay this is what you said the last chapter right. okay this is what you said the chapter before that like I I get that the news is lying to me and like, I already went in with some, some preconceived bias. I'm like, I know the news is lying to me. Like, I know that it's not everything it's cracked up to be. And so him just kind of like reiter- reiterating it a bunch of times felt yeah. like he was spinning his wheels before he got to the meat of it. Yeah. Um, which for me was the sports and the WWE analogy, because that's when I was like, Oh, like, all of this stuff that I I had this innate feeling of about what the news is doing, like, now I see the strategy behind it and that's where I feel like it's insidious. Like, before I was like, oh, they're just trying to sell stuff and this is just big performance, whatever, and now I'm like, oh, this is actually, like, a purposeful, like, purposeful and, yeah. and choreographed in a, in a way yeah. that, like, I always knew it was, like, a little bit choreographed because, like, it's TV, how could it not be? But, like, even to the point where, like, News outlets that I thought were at least somewhat reputable. Like now, I I see a story and I'm like, from the Washington Post or the New York Times, whatever. I'm like, well, I don't want to read anything anymore.
2: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I Um, I think
3: formatting-wise, the issue
1: with it, and he he does speak to it in the preface, Mm -hmm. um, is the. This book was a compilation of several different stories mm-hmm. that were written and like there were blog posts, I guess, yeah, and so formatting wise, I definitely get that where it's like I see where the the roots were of okay, he wrote this to be a one out, mm-hmm. this is a one out, this is a one out, so when you compile them all, yeah, it does get it's you hear the same thing five or six times before it gets to like you said, he's kind of big reveal of this is the real problem that's going on mm-hmm. is this choreographed play that we're watching yeah. un- unfold in front of us.
3: Yeah. The, the, the example that sticks out to me is when he was talking about um, this sports caster uh, from like the East coast that was invited to be on a radio show, like an AM radio show or whatever out of Boston or something like that. Yeah. Um, and, what had happened was this this radio host that was invited to this show had at one point been a part of the same media conglomerate as mm-hmm. the show he was invited on. But since then, the company was bought out and his radio show wound up on the other side of the fence. And his whole shtick with his co-host... Um, was that, like, they're indifferent about whoever wins sports games, but, like, they talk about sports, but not in a fanatical way. Yeah. Um, They're, like, from the Midwest
0: or something like that originally, and they moved to Boston. Yeah, so one of the guys
3: was from Atlanta, Atlanta. the other was
1: from the Midwest, but they were transplants to Boston. So, yeah, they aren't Celtics, Patriots, Red Sox fans. Yeah, but they like sports. And so they're
0: like, yeah, we don't care who wins. We want to see a good game.
3: Yeah they just wanted to talk about sports for the sake of sports and not to be like shilling for one team and, and demonizing the, the opponent. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when he was invited on this, that radio show, uh, he had been, I, I want to say he had been on that radio show before in the past
2: mm-hmm. and
3: he had some kind of relationship with the hosts or whatever, but this time because he was in the different media conglomerate, like outside of their whole network, like they basically just uh, like, made Attack him the, look like a fool Mets and they like attacked the him and they like socks. questioned everything he said. It's yeah. supposed to be like a softball type thing, but like it completely caught him off guard. And when he listened to the interview, like they made, they made themselves sound like confrontational against him. And like, he was kind of a dummy mm-hmm. right? because of it. And it's just like, and that's just because they were on a different like payroll now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, um and and how you can sell the the need to be upset about someone else's sports team it like directly feeds into the need to feel upset about someone's like views about anything really that you can think of. Yeah. Um I I don't know. Like maybe it's cuz I grew up playing sports like the sports analogy stuff like really hit home to me in a way that like some of the other stuff didn't. Mm.
1: Yeah, I could see that. I I mean I I feel like there were a lot of good points made. Um but yeah, that that perfect parallel of they've copied this exact model, mm-hmm. it was just so why it was so eye-opening yeah. to me.
0: What what made me kind of realize it, something that I kind of realized reading this book is there I don't I don't watch mainstream. I don't even watch regular television. You know, mm-hmm. I stream. And uh I can't remember in my entire lifetime of ever having the news on there ever being anything long form. Right. Like I go on YouTube yeah. and I'll watch a 40 minute video about a single topic and I don't know the, I don't think the news does anything like that anymore.
1: No, it's like mm-hmm. seven to 13 minute yeah. segments where
0: it's like three people, five people all arguing with each other about something that is so in, inconsequential. Right. And it's like, when was the last time the news has actually educated you for 30 minutes straight on a single topic? Right. And that goes to show you that they're not there to inform you. They're there to get you angry.
1: Yep. And then to play the commercials. Yeah, to play the commercials. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Because they're all owned by corporations. Like these massive corporations now own the news media. Right. And so they're going to get you angry to keep you watching so that in between the arguments, they could sell you washing machines.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they're not, like like you said in the show, like they're not going to tell you things that are going to make you upset about the environment and then immediately show you like a product that's made of plastic or, you know, like yeah. they, they, don't, they don't want to tell you news stories about what is actually like impacting the world in a way that you could affect meaningful change because that would affect what they're trying to sell you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think they pro- um, I I this is my uneducated opinion but I don't think they provide any answers either. No. Like they don't say like this is how, this is the problem and this is how we can fix it through these like level-headed and rational ways of arriving to a conclusion that everybody wins.
1: No. Yeah. I think they start with a conclusion yeah. and then have a discussion where they circle back to that conclusion. Right. That, that's <laughs> what I think it all goes up to. And they might Bounce back and forth with their little play of, you know, oh, you're winning over on us or oh, we got our foot on your neck. Yeah, but it it they literally they deliver out of the gate
3: the conclusion. Yeah. And then they just reaffirm it and then commercial break. Man, that ties in the WWE analogy for me, too, because like uh, I I don't watch the news basically ever. Um, I, I'm with you, Addison. Like, I, I feel like that's kind of like an older person's game. Yeah, at the moment, like I'll read things and I will maybe watch a clip uh, if it's on the website that I'm reading. But even now, I I like my my reading of these articles has even like cut back because I've listened to this book. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm aware of the personalities who I'm supposed to be aware of just because how can you not be if you've been on Twitter? uh. Mm-hmm. And it just plays into the whole like, you know, there, there, there's a heel and there's a baby face and the, <laughs> the, the baby the baby face will turn if they need to because like that causes more ratings and there's, you know, sometimes the heel loses, sometimes they don't. And you kind of have to love to hate the heel. And you, you just see these personalities, especially on the right, you know, they're really good, at least the way because I, I mean, I, I'm I'm targeted heavily for like left leaning articles. Yeah. And so, you know, they play up the right as being the heel and I'm sure they play the left up for being the heel on their end. Um, and it's just the formula works so well that it's just, it, it it's insidious. Yeah.
1: Right. Well, and then, so the other kind of overarching theme in this story is, you know, him talking about Donald Trump mm-hmm. and how he was on a press docket on the campaign trail during all of this. Yeah. You know, so he, so for kind of background information, the guy who wrote this book was a 25 year long writer for Rolling Stone magazine, Mm -hmm. which is a, you know, progressive quote unquote left leaning publication. Mm -hmm. So he was tasked to, you know, be on the trail On all these press buses and planes and everything during this whole election. And he had kind of a unique look at it because Rolling Stone comes out once a month. Yeah. And all these other news sources had to put something out every single day. Yeah. So he got a lot of time to just sit and watch and see what was going on during the election. And again, brings the WWE in to Donald Trump
3: and how yeah. he has been built. on the WWE. He was the rest. Yeah, yeah. He, you know, Vince McMahon or something yeah, like that. Yeah, Vince McMahon, <laughs> yeah.
1: So, and, and from that moment, you can see where Donald Trump adopts this ideology. Mhm. Of being the heel, Mm -hmm. and but the heel that wants to be hated, yeah, because he's you know like I don't remember any wrestlers, but he's kind of like the the Undertaker, yeah, you know where it's like he's the bad guy, yeah. But every, I fucking loved The Undertaker. He was, when he I was, was a, a badass. Kid, yeah, you wanted yeah. to love him, yeah. but you hated him. We'd show up and you're like, boo, oh, boo. like, Sting's gonna kick your ass, you know, or <laughs> <laughs> whatever. <Goldberg. laughs> yeah, you know. But you had all this, you know, but you, like, you loved to hate him. Yeah. Right? You know, he was gonna, at the last minute, he was gonna pull off a, a move and, you know, and make you think he was gonna win. Yeah. So yeah. Donald Trump, Took this model and became president off of it by, you know... Putting like not worrying about the noise. Mm-hmm. You had yeah. all this, you know. We want to talk about topics. We want to, you know. You have these thoughts or these reporters going. We want to hound you on these topics, and he's over here like, fucking Clinton's a bitch. You <laughs> know. Yeah, lock her up. <laughs> yeah. You know. is You know. He was even before he became president, or you know, started running. Obama's a, an immigrant, and yeah. you know, he just had these like, I'm just going to piss you off mm-hmm. because that's my job. Yeah, you're going to love yeah. to hate me. And then he kind of rolled that into at the end of, well, you know, I've talked so much crap about this. You have to love me now, mm-hmm. and and everybody, you know, thought, oh, well, we're not gonna, you know, we're not gonna end up with him because yeah. he's the bad guy. The bad guy. The can't bad guy win. can't win the belt. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's not right. supposed to be standing there at the end of the cage match with his hands over his head holding the belt, man. Yeah. Like. He's supposed to be knocked unconscious, rolled out of the cage, laying on the, on the ground. on the last second. Right.
2: Yeah.
1: But that's not what happened, you know? Right. yeah. And so looking at that analogy, it was just like so spot on. Yeah. And really yeah. kind of helped me to understand kind of what's going on with this freaking crackhead's ideas is <laughs> he is playing this role mm-hmm. perfectly. Yeah. Exactly yeah. the way that he was taught to be on camera and do these things. And he doesn't care about politics. doesn't care about any of this stuff. He cares about his brand. He cares about his brand. Right. And that's all that matters. Yeah. And you know, now he's doing the same thing. And the thought is, you know, well, Oh, if we just got to vote Democrat, got to vote Democrat to get rid of him. Yeah. But that's not the answer either. Yeah. If you look at, they're both so bad. Yeah. They're both doing the right. same thing to one another. Um, it really just comes down. To, I mean, you look—we had a hundred million people in this country eligible to vote that didn't vote, yeah, because they thought the the match is going to be over. Mm-hmm. We're not going to end up with the 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 heel is not going to win, yeah. And so why vote? So why vote? Yeah. So yeah. I mean, it's just it's wild to think about. No, and he goes into also how the left is just as bad. Oh yeah. You know, it's, and he would be considered a progressive Democrat mm-hmm. when really it's, it's all bullshit. Mm. Everything that we see in politics and the news,
3: it's all orchestrated.
1: Every bit of it is choreographed.
3: <laughs> yeah. it's all. I, fake. I would say my, yeah. <laughs> my biggest takeaways from the book and why I would rec, what I would recommend to somebody who would want to read this book would be, um, if you're interested at all in how information gets delivered to you, mm-hmm. like this shows you how the pro like it shows you how the sausage is made, basically. Yeah. The water um, sausage. Yeah, the water <laughs> sausage, yes. And it it is if you are reading it or you're and you're getting upset, like I feel like that sort of is triggering. Uh, a bias or whatever, like it helps you identify your bias, w- which way you lean, and then he can help you deconstruct what that is, yeah, right, and how to sort of distance yourself from it. Um, and then I think the other value that I got from this book was just seeing how, um, we're played against each other, even if that is something like myself you thought you were already aware of. Um, I think there's still something in the book where when he goes through his analogies on how sports and news specifically political news gets delivered to you whether it's on TV or via an article that you read on the, from a news source like i think that if you can get past some of his um idiosyncratic like snarkiness that he has in the book if you can like get past some of that and see what he's actually saying like i think he effectively deconstructs the process to a point where you can recognize your own bias and you could distance yourself from it hopefully and then you can kind of rebuild how you view information
0: Mm. okay so on a scale from one to seven how would you rate this book one to seven yeah um I feel, I feel going one to 10 is too easy. One to seven really yeah. makes you think like, Ooh, I got to actually think of what I'm going to give this now.
3: Yeah. So I, I enjoyed the, uh, I don't know to say I enjoyed it. I felt the <laughs> book was, I felt the book was informative yeah. and I thought that there was value in the information that I got from certain chapters. I don't think the entire, I don't think the book in its entirety is necessarily right. uh, worth your time. Because it keeps on making the same point. mm -hmm. Yeah, because he makes the same point a number of times, especially in the first couple chapters, in my opinion. So, like, I would say the book has value if you skim around and you see something in the beginning that is interesting and then you can, like, latch onto that. But don't don't skip the wrestling or sports chapters. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, like, with that being said, like, I would give it maybe, like, a three and a half out of seven whoa that's not to to say it's a bad book i'm just saying like i wouldn't read i like it's not a book i have an easy time recommending to everyone right like i would say a a book that's over a five is a book that i'm like everyone needs to read this Mm -hmm. like a a four to a three is like i got something out of it but i don't necessarily think that this is for everybody
2: okay Hmm.
1: Okay, so I would give it a five and a half. Okay. And, and if we're using that scale, I do think that everybody could benefit something yeah. from reading this book.
0: Regardless of their p- political affiliation. Yeah,
1: especially regardless of your political affiliation. I think everybody of our generation who has grown up with, like, all of these, even though this is a boomer writing this book, mm-hmm. I think boomers would have a very hard time with this book because they're so set. Mm. I think that you yeah. know, people of our generation, you know, Gen X, Millennials, even Gen Zers, could see what's going on here and take a lot of good information from it. And like Chris said, really being able to identify your biases and hopefully work towards correcting them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel it was really good. I I would definitely recommend it to anybody. It also got me more interested in potentially reading more Chomsky. Oh, yeah. um, Because I think in Manufacturing Consent, he co-wrote that book via correspondence with another guy, Mm -hmm. uh, Alan something or other, who was like a straight statistician. That's what that guy did. So that book had way too much noise mm-hmm. in it rather than here's the points we're trying to make. Yeah. But I think Noam Chomsky Chum- has some other books that are valuable that were written earlier that um, I want to check out. Okay. Um,
0: yeah, I, would, I think I'd give it a 5 out of 7. Mm-hmm. I think um, I don't want to do half points. Uh, that's just me though. That's rookie, I well, I'm, those uh, are rookie numbers. Um, <laughs> I think a seven out of seven would be a book that like I would probably re- reread every year or something like that. Okay, it's like a Donnie Darko of books.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, I would give this a five out of seven, leaning towards six. I'm not gonna say five point five. You can
1: go like a five point three.
0: I'm not gonna do half numbers. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's I need, rookie. I need dude. whole numbers. <laughs> whole numbers are rookie. <laughs> you, so I'm need gonna f- that, yeah. you
1: need that flexibility.
0: Yeah, I would say like if you've got some time in your hands and you really want to address some biases, definitely read this book. Hey mm-hmm. Ink,
3: by who reads this Who who Matt It's uh, like Matt Talibi BBB or something. Yeah, <laughs> Talibi. Yeah. That it,
0: it, the, yeah. Whoever reads it, I don't know if it's Matt Talibi who it's reads it. It's definitely not him. He not doesn't him. read no. it. But the, whoever reads it has a good voice. It's, um, Matt Taibbi. Yeah. yeah. Whoever reads it on Audible if you want to Audible it, it's a great voice. Um, definitely but listen
3: it. to it at like more than one speed because yeah, 1. he 2 talks 5. so yeah, 1. slow. Yeah. yeah. But I... I would, I don't know. I feel like I was a little hard on the book at the end, but <laughs> no, we've given up positive reviews. <laughs> yeah. No, you're stuck. Yeah. You're locked stay, stay in with your it, three and a half, man. Yeah, no, my review, in. my review stands. I'm just, I just want to make it clear. Like I didn't hate the book. I just, I just think that maybe like what I got out of it wasn't like it didn't inform the score so, yeah. at the end. It yeah. could have been two hours shorter.
1: It definitely yes. could have been
3: three chapters shorter. So there you have it, and that's the way it is, and that's the way the news goes. Yeah.
1: So just uh, cookie crumbles. Remember to keep your eyes to the sky and,
3: uh,
1: you know, define and correct your biases. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, and don't forget to shut it down every now and then. Yeah. Don't you dare come through my lumber door. (laughs) Let's just pack them all in. That's what she said. (laughs) (laughs) Finger guns. (laughs) Brought it back.
0: Chris, do you happen to have a... (laughs) Thought experiment for us?
3: I do. Yeah. Um... This specific thought experiment is, it's a T-H-O-T thought experiment.
0: Oh, that hoe over there.
3: (laughs) Thought? (laughs) Thought. Yeah, that's how it's phrased in the email that we got from our buddy Frank. Hey, Frank! Frank, What's up, Frank? Yeah. Uh, This one also is apparently for me, too, so I have to join in on this. Nice! Um, Finally! At last. Yeah. It's only taken us so, two-thirds of a year. 38 episodes? Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Yeah, you all unionized against me. <laughs> um. That's right, Daddy. Yeah. So, uh, this week, we have the ability to find exactly what we're looking for exactly when we need it. Oh, oh my
1: gosh. Nice. It sounds so nice. I I work in construction uh-huh. now, and uh-huh. so... I have, like, these tool bags Uh that are not very well organized. It's a bag. You just throw shit in it. Yeah. So I'm always looking for these little bits. Uh Uh-huh. I waste 15 to 30 minutes a day looking for little shit that I wish I just had.
0: I had to go to the doctor's office to take my daughter to get some shots. Totally forgot my mask. Oh. And, like, I'm in my wife's car, and so I'm like... Digging through all her masks, she just has like eight of them in the car, and they all are like super small on my face. And I find one surgical mask that's been used twenty times that has like makeup on it, and I'm like, <laughs> "Oh, this is what I'm wearing." Yeah.
3: <laughs> uh, well, no matter how much you you wipe, you always have a poopy butthole. Oh, oh no, I hate this. this.
2: It itches. <laughs> yeah, it's like
0: just.
1: <laughs> I'm like uncomfortable sitting down oh, right now. I feel like I need a wipe again. Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah. Just the feeling, just just the thought of it oh, makes you feel that way. It's so itchy. Yeah. Um, or uh, you could just be incredibly average at everything you do and attempt. <laughs> you're never really that great at it. You know, you're just kind of okay. No.
1: So nothing <laughs> in my life has to change. Hey,
3: guys, we got my answer. Lock
0: it in. I'm good. No, man. Like, even when you tell stories, everybody's like, okay. And then they, like, try to, like, un-awkwardly transfer to something more interesting. Yeah. You're never interesting. It's my life. You're not good at sex. That's my <laughs> life. Just average at it. You're not smart about anything. Yeah. Oh no! Nail it
1: down, bud. When you're you go, just de- <laughs> de- defining Tim, Cox. When you're playing
0: World of Warcraft, or what do you play? Modern Warfare? Yeah, Call of Duty. You're like mid tier. Yeah, you never yeah. win, but you also never
3: lose. Right, double digits, <laughs> but still. <laughs> no, no, no. Hurting. You
0: get like seven kills. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're always exactly like half of whatever the leader is. Oh, <laughs> oh that would suck. Oh, that's hard. Yeah, I th- I feel like the a- being average. Like, it sounds like the easy way out, but that would be kind of infuriating. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Especially because if you, like, if we take this question and we think, okay, from now on, this is what we're going to be, like, you'll have memories of your life when you were not average at something.
0: Oh, shit. Yeah. You can't even and commit suicide because you you're like, you're like, uh, eh, he tried, but he, he wasn't very good at it. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> well... Have you ever like just been average at something in front of other people? Like it's kind oh. of embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I played disc golf before. I'm very <laughs> very bad at it. Like I'll I'll yeah.
0: run as fast as I can and swing my arm as hard as I can and the frisbee goes off to the left for some reason. For so, some reason. Some reason cuz I'm not good at it. I'm very average. I'm not even good average, I'm bad. Yeah. Yeah. A lifetime Um, of average. Yeah,
1: you adding in that part about knowing that we were once better. Yeah.
3: That hurts. Oh man. But I don't I don't know if it's worth not having a poopy butthole
2: though. (laughs) That's
3: what I'm saying,
1: man. Like I I mean you would just be average at wiping your ass, so you're gonna have this as an issue also. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You are, are a part of the
3: time you will have a poopy butthole still Oh
1: man. If you're just average at things Fuck, being an average. Parent.
3: Yeah. Oh. all your underwear will have a skid mark on it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: like you can't
0: even like dress to impress. You're like, how do I look? You look fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. You're wearing clothes. It's it's not the right clothes. Yeah, but imagine, like, getting,
1: like, super dressed up and you feel like you know you look phenomenal. But the whole time you're, like, (laughs) you're, like, trying to adjust because, like, you know, like, you just need one more good swipe. (laughs)
3: but no matter how many times you wipe it comes back poopy (laughs) how much
1: poop are we talking that's left in this
0: butthole just enough to know you didn't wipe enough (laughs) oh yeah it's not a rosebud in there oh but you're just like shit i need to go back and i need to wipe one more time yeah
1: i could really use a shower about now
3: (laughs) yeah i you know i think i would rather have the poopy butthole and know i can be good at something than not have a poopy butthole and know that i'm just average at everything. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Okay.
2: Um,
1: um I I think I'm still gonna stick with the average thing. Okay. Because that like I am literally uncomfortable sitting here right now and feel <laughs> like I need to go and wipe my ass. Okay.
0: So you're going for the comfort. <laughs> Just get your sub to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I am gonna go for being average at everything. Uh huh. But that's only because that means you will never fail at anything,
1: oh, oh. shit, yeah, so Look it's at like that upside,
0: you're like, hey, I'm gonna start investing a lot more in the stock market, like I don't win a lot, but I've also never lost a ton of money. Huh. you could be what about
1: an average gambler, yeah,
0: average golfer average golfer, like yeah. you could beat half of the people out
1: there, right, like you're you're just a, maybe you like you know shoot like a 90. Yeah.
0: It's pretty good. There's a lot of average football players who make
1: a million dollars a year. It's true. You could be an average graphic designer and like fail up like Chris did. (laughs) (laughs) There's plenty of average. someone's got to do it. (laughs) There's plenty of average people out there who make a lot of money. It's true. And (laughs) I mean, I feel like a lot of like very average people also seem pretty happy. Yeah. Yeah, because you'd never get yeah. those big lows. Yeah, you'd never hit a low. And so
0: I, it would hurt so much to not be great at anything. Right. But I, to fact, the fact that I know that I can't ever fail is like a big win for me.
1: Yeah. Like, I'm going to go out and okay. try something. Yeah. And I'm going to be average at it.
0: It's like, yeah, he's a pretty average skateboarder. Yeah. For a 45-year-old man. Right. <laughs> wow, I'll take
3: it. Yeah. Oh uh, well, uh, thanks Frank, for sending in that thought experiment there There was uh some bonus content in this email that I'm gonna save for the next episode. We're running a little bit long but, okay uh, that, that one that one's gonna be extra thought provoking I feel like oh nice. Um, sweet, so a little teaser for next week. I know how much you like to be teased <laughs> so much yeah, <laughs> tease me I'm a worm
2: yeah, <laughs> see me wriggle. Uh,
3: thanks. <laughs> thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in this week uh, you can send in those thought experiments to pt.podcasters at gmail.com uh, thanks to all of our, our many lucrative <laughs> sponsorships and uh, all of our <laughs> Patreon subscribers um,
0: thanks to all our new listeners in Germany and Mexico yeah, gracias the, oh yeah, gracias and danke danke danke, <laughs>
3: totanka. <laughs> Yeah, it's cool. Uh I don't know how you heard about us, but uh we'd love to know because that's actually like really cool that people are listening from other countries. Yeah. yeah. Um, we, we
1: don't and don't take that wrong. We still love you people from Great Britain and Ireland. Yes. Who are listening. Yes.
3: Uh you were here first, we know. Yeah. We Claypool,
1: see you. Claypool, Indiana. Uh, well, we st-
3: see you. Still going strong. Yeah, thank you. We love
2: you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
3: Um, yeah, so, uh, this, this has been fun. Um, I hope to do it again sometime, maybe next week. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, this has been the part-time podcast. My name is Chris. Don't quit your day job. This is Tim. We live for you
1: and we die for you.
0: And this is Addison. If you see a friend, tell a friend.
3: I was looking around. Welcome to the Park Talk
2: Park.